Hi, this is Rebecca, and I'm so glad that you have tuned in to the St. Peter's Lake Mary podcast. I think that because you've tuned in, you will learn more about the ways of the Lord. At St. Peter's, we believe that we have been called by God to share the joy and love of Jesus Christ. We hope that these next few minutes will captivate your mind and heart by the transforming Word of God. To find out more about St. Peter's Lake Mary, visit us at stpeterslakemary.org. To all who received him, believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we need your grace this morning. Show us how we are children, if your children, if we are in your Son, Jesus Christ. Help this to sink in, this beautiful grace that we might be moved and drawn closer to you, our Heavenly Father. Through Christ Jesus, we ask it. Amen. Please. So, uh, on Christmas, I told you that uh, the celebration of Christmas continues so that we might become the children of God. You remember that? It was just a couple days ago. Not that long ago. Not hard to remember. And I, and I was thinking about that verse from Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. Now there's uh, another angle on this that I want to dive into as we look a little more closely at our readings. An important principle begins to emerge. And that is when Jesus came... Some received him, and some did not. Did you catch that? But to all who received. So some didn't, right? He was in the world, if the world knew him not. He came to his own, but his own people received him not. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God. Who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. I got some flack one time early in ministry um, at, a, at a church I was a guest preach, teacher at. I was teaching at the Reckless Forum at this church before I was ordained. And, um, and we were going through our identity as Christians. That was the topic. Who are we as Christians? And what's our, where's our identity found? And I made the comment... That in, in sort of vague, very vague, unbiblical maybe, but sentimental way, we're all children of God. Everybody in the whole world are all children of God. But that's not actually in the Bible. It's right here we see that those who are the children of God, those who have the power to become the children of God, are those who do what? Who believe in His name. It's faith in Christ that makes us children of God. I was told I was unpastoral <laughs> for saying that. I was very, very gentle, and I was, you know, myself. Uh, but I, I was sort of rebuked for that. And uh, it, it's an essential component of the gospel. It must be received. Or rather, he must be <laughs> received. If we are to become children of God, there's no rejecting his son rejecting his will and his purposes and being a child of God. It's just not the gospel. 
this theme of it being received and, and us growing in it comes out really strong, especially in, um, in Luke. There's a powerful current in the Gospel of Luke that talks about children growing and becoming strong in the Spirit. It's John the Baptist, and, and then Jesus, and then the implication is that you and I are meant to grow and become strong in the Spirit as children of God. And John will say later in his gospel, near the end, he'll say, he sums it all up. These are the kind of comments you really need to listen for when you're doing your Bible reading, because it can explain so much else that happens in the text. He says this, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. So there's things he did, like if National Geographic were there filming him, or a documentary were going on, they would see Jesus doing so many other things that aren't recorded in the Gospels. I mean, he did a lot. It's just a small sampling. But why did John choose to tell these in his gospel? He says, well, these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. And of course, famously, as he told Nicodemus in John 3, I think it's one of the heights of the whole gospel, in a way, and its theme is truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit, you know, born of God. That which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. Paul really picks this up in his letters, and we've got one of the best examples of it here in Galatians. This Contrast between being between sons when we hear sons ladies don't feel left out. It's just talking about legitimate children. Yeah Heirs, this is all y'all <laughs> that believe in Christ. All right Men and women and you know boys and girls the whole lot He says once we were slaves to the elemental spirits of the universe But now in the fullness of time God has sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. Why? So that we might receive adoption as sons. So that we might be adopted as his legitimate and true children, his sons and daughters. I, I just want to reflect on that, that beautiful grace this morning. The fact that you and I in Christ are adopted Adopted by God as his child. Isn't that a comforting thought? You can just sit there for a while, but I want to bring out three aspects of adoption this morning. The first is the grace of adoption. Secondly, the permanence of our adoption. And thirdly, the power of our adoption by God. The grace of it it's permanence, and then it's power in our lives. So the grace of adoption, I mean, it's, it goes way back. God arranged it, in fact, as we see in Ephesians, from before the foundation of the world. He says this, God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. In other words, before anything existed at all, he knew you, and he had you in mind. That's pretty stunning, you think about it. He knew who you were. He knew 
that you would come about and he was going to arrange everything and you would be born and he had you in mind and you were chosen. Before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In other words, what he's going to do in Christ, through Christ in us. He's going to make us that way. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. He had this adoption, this relationship in mind from the beginning. And he took the initiative, you know, but it's not obvious because from our perspective, before we were born, and then when we were born and growing up, let's say especially you didn't grow up in a Christian home, it's not obvious to you that you would be a child of God, right? Not obvious at all that you would be loved, that you would be wanted, that someone would die for you, and all these things. None of those things are obvious to us. They're not obvious from our origin, and they're not obvious... Of our, of our faith is not obvious. I mean, it's such a glorious gift. And when you get it, when it really settles in, you're like, whoa, I'm adopted by the Almighty. Things begin to change. But it's not obvious to us. See, God had to take the initiative because we were children of wrath. We, we were in rebellion against Him, right? But in this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son for appreciation for our sins. And then there's another great passage in Romans about this adoption. You've heard Romans 8, 28 before, but you've got to keep going and read 29 and it gets even better. You've heard Romans 8, 28. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good according to those who are called to his purpose. Yeah, you've heard that one. But let's keep reading. What is that purpose? For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, to, to be made like Christ, in order that he, that is Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brethren. That's what things were all working together for, is to make you like Christ as a member of God's family, his legitimate child. That's the good he has in mind for you. And it gets even better when you think about it more. I mean, what happens sometimes in earthly families? You know, a child is adopted, but they, they end up being very difficult. And it's hard not to love your own natural child, right? More than the adopted child, especially. And I've heard this awful story about these, um, these orphans who grew up in Russia and Estonia and other places in the eastern, you know, Soviet countries. And have you, have you seen this story before? And how they're abused and they have such a hard time. And they're adopted, but they're complete, they were completely neglected in the most important developmental years. And so if you adopted a child that was older than two from one of these orphanages, good luck. I mean, it was really, really challenging to raise that child because so much of their um, formation had already been set. And it was not a good one, you know. It's, it's challenging. And these families, it's heartbreaking. Um, you know, the power and the love of God is that even how hardened you might be in your formation, in your growing up, the love of God is more powerful. The love of God is stronger. 
I mean, even though we're not, he's only got one natural son, right? God does, that's Jesus Christ. But don't you think for a minute that just because we're his adopted children, he does not love us? Don't you think that for a second? I mean, look at what he did to his natural son in order to adopt you. Think about what his son went through. Think of their love for you, the father and the son, their love for you and for me. To go through all of that, to bring us into the family. Don't you doubt for a second that he doesn't love you radically and powerfully, more than any human ever could. Hebrews is just glorious in this. It was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist, that is Jesus, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. He suffered to bring us into God's family. It cost him dearly. He would not have done it if it weren't worth it to him. He wouldn't have done it if he didn't love you. I mean, and think of the effect of this grace. That really, once that settles in and you really know and experience your adoption as a child of God. Think of little orphan Annie, <laughs> Daddy Warbucks or something, you know? Think of the gratitude to go from absolutely nothing, the world kicking you around and abusing you and putting you through awful things, and, but then to be brought in to the family of God. That's just a taste of the grace of adoption, the gift of adoption as a child of God. What if it's permanence? Is he going to get sick of us? <laughs> you ever wondered that? If, if God sort of had us fill with you? If he's had enough? All right, this is, this, this is nice, but I, I'm done with you, kid. You're, <laughs> you're hopeless. You keep acting out. You're, you know, all the discipline in the world and you're still so boneheaded. That's my favorite word for my sons, is bonehead. Come on. Does he, does he say that? Does he just say, forget it, bad idea. Wash his hands of you and move on? No. No matter how tough you are to raise as a child of God, once he's got you, he's got you. I read this at Christmas. John 10, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they'll never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. No one can take you out of God's hand once you belong to Him. Think of the security can get if you will really settle in to that relationship. I mean, do you long to be free from the need for approval from other people? This craving for approval cripples us in our lives. It steals our joy. 
And if you think pastors are immune from it, come on. <laughs> right? Why did they leave the church? Don't they like me? You know, it's... Uh, it, I especially feel for the young women today. The things women have to do to be liked by our society and to be appreciated. I mean, how pretty do you have to be to be liked and popular? It's, you ladies know more than I do about this. I don't have daughters. But it's brutal out there, isn't it? Wouldn't you love to be free from that? Man, wouldn't you long to be free from the need to, fe to be respected and, and to be uh, seen as competent and strong and professional I mean these are all good things right it's fine to be attractive and it's fine to be strong and capable and all that and professional but man that's just it's a brutal cycle and there's it's never enough there's always somebody more successful there's always somebody more beautiful or attractive and and likable and their personality is always more colorful even if they're not attractive they can get away with crazy stuff because they're so cool and fun right don't you get tired of the rat race? <laughs> Don't you get tired of feeling like you never measure up? Well, here's your answer. You are already loved. Someone died for you. Someone went to extreme lengths to bring you in and to keep you forever. And you can't do anything to get rid of his love. There's nothing you can do to make him stop loving you. Nothing you can do. I think all of us can imagine we can push our own parents to the point where they would like say, I can't do anything with this one. You're out of here, right? I, I've tried and I love you. You'll always be my son, but I can't talk to you anymore. You know, we can imagine, and maybe some of us are in that kind of a situation, right? Humans have their limits. Does God have any limits? Is his love finite? Why would an infinite being have finite love? It doesn't make any sense. You can never exhaust his patience. You can never outlast his love for you. Once you belong to him. Once his grace has begun to work in your heart and he's claimed you as his own. If you have become a child of God. That deal's locked in. It is secure. And every time you wander away from Him, and every time you act out and sin, even if you are a child of God, none of us are immune from sin. Still, it still lingers and clutches after us and tries to drag us back. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, your Father is not sitting out there just going, oh, man, I made a mistake with that one. No. He's coming up to you and he's whispering in your ear, my son, my daughter, come with me. Come back to me. Receive the love that has been yours in me from the foundation of the world. Come back. Those things will not satisfy you. He will not make you happy. She will not meet all of your desires. Only I can do that, my son, my daughter, no one else. Come back to me.
back. Come on home. It's time. Just think of the story of the prodigal son. He's hanging his head and he's walking back down the road completely ashamed and his father runs out to him and embraces him. That was one of my most powerful early pastoral encounters. I was this clueless 22-year-old doing youth ministry. You think I'm clueless now. You should have seen me 20 years ago. And, um, and the dad of one of my kids came in. Poor guy. I was the only pastor or minister on staff that was present at the time. And he came by just desperately wanting to talk to somebody. And he's talking about how he felt so far away from God and how he, he didn't know if God loved him anymore. Maybe he'd just sort of worn out his welcome and, and all that. And I just said, well, that doesn't make any sense. Don't you know the story of the prodigal son? And he's like, no. I was stunned he didn't know the story. And then I told it to him. And we're sitting there. And, and he just starts weeping. Because the power of it finally hit home. Through the mouth of, of some idiot youth minister. We're going to hire someone way better than I was. Uh, all it took was the power of God's word. And it broke his heart in the most beautiful way. And he knew that he was loved. And he could come back at any time. That's, th those are just some examples of the power of adoption, which is our third aspect this morning. For the power of adoption. I mean, I, I just want this love of God and your identity as, as a son or a daughter of God to really just settle in. That to become your defining characteristic. I mean, think of the freedom born of love. Again, versus the striving born of insecurity. See what kind of love. This is 1 John chapter 3. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. Beloved, we are God's children now. And yet it gets better, he says. But what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. So there's this thing of drawing near to God as his children is a transforming process. And though we're not his natural children, he makes us like himself through that proximity, through that time spent with him. You know, and, and this principle plays out in so many ways in every aspect of our life. It affects so many things. I mean, some of us, when we think about God and religion and all that, we, we treat God like we're his servants, his employees. I better not mess up or I'm going to get fired, you know? Or I'm only here because I have to be. It's sort of duty, obligation. That's not going to stoke the fire in your heart. Duty and obligation. You know, when we're treating God like we work for Him, or like we're afraid of Him, without this fatherly aspect, even when we go to church, implicit is the thought that I should be free of this guy. I should be free of him. But I'm here because I have to be. This plays out in so many different ways, like in the, in the, the Roman church. The power there is that I'm here because if I don't, I'll go to hell. That is not a motivation to go. That is not a fatherly relationship, is it? 
or, you know, the megachurches. If I'm not there and I'm not in, I'm alone. See, I'm only here, not because so much I love God, but because I don't want to be alone and I need these people around me. Yeah? I mean, don't get me wrong. It's good to have friends and we ought to have a healthy fear of going to hell. However, that is not the primary thing, is it? It's that relationship with our Father. None of us is immune to these pressures. We know them in so many ways, and they just wear us out. So what is it that gets us free of the routine? Free of doing this as as duty and obligation? I mean, don't get me wrong. Got to say this. Duty and obligation are important. If, uh, you know, nobody gets married today out of obligation or duty, do they? No, you do it for love and a vision for the future and a family and and lifetime companionship and and all that good stuff. So I got to say, obligation and duty will get you through a rough patch, yeah? In that relationship. Sometimes the sacrament of marriage will be the only thing keeping you together with your spouse. And that's its power. Duty and obligation have a place. However, if you don't get back to the love of it, it's a pale shadow of what it could be. You know, duty and obligation are like a cast or like a brace on a knee that's out, you know? Or a splint on a bird wing that needs to heal. So they can be filled again once again with love. So the same thing with with church and our faith. What sets us free from it being just simply about duty and obligation? It's this love relationship of being a child of your Heavenly Father. It's learning to rest in the gift of our adoption as His children. And letting that gift produce love in our hearts. That's the secret so much of the Christian life. The gospel is the freedom that is ours, you know, when we discover that we're his beloved children, if we're in Christ. And, you know, the old way says, I'm, I should be free. You know, I'm only here because I have to be. I wish I were free. And when you know that you've become to be truly a child of God is when you say, when you have this conviction, you say, I'm only free when I'm with my father. You see the difference there. I'm not, you know, I want to be free from him, but I can't because I'm afraid of him and he's going to get me. Versus, man, I'm not free anywhere else but when I'm with him and I'm secure in my identity as his son or his daughter. You know, and even though he might have rebelled and gone off and done my own thing for a while, a child is always welcome in her father's house. You know, I talked about growing. It's a tough thing, you know, sort of, the, getting the balance right between being a little child, but also not being naive and, and, you know, having a sense of the world out there. And kids who have gone off to college, I think nobody gets this balance right like a college freshman. They, they, they sort of, you know, their senior year, they can't wait to get out, most of them. They want to be free. Oh, I can go do my own thing. I can stay up as late as I want. One time my freshman year, I ate a whole large pizza by myself just because I could. Stupid, but that's the sort of thing we do when we get out there. I'm going to eat the whole thing right now. My buddy and I have all killed ourselves. 
And uh, so we do stupid stuff when we're free, but it's, it's, it's good to be out there and independent. But then you begin to see what the world is like and how rough it can be. And then you start to long for home again. <laughs> to be with mom and dad where you know you're unconditionally loved. Where you're taken care of. Where things are safe and predictable and secure. That's something of the balance I want you to have this Christmas. Being fully aware of how perilous it is out there and how empty the world is. But also knowing that no matter what you've done, your Heavenly Father and His Son Jesus Christ our older brother are there waiting for us with open arms saying come home my child we love you and the Christian hope is that hearing those words in the end after we've passed away well done good and faithful servant enter now into the joy of your master who is also our heavenly father let's pray Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, wayward and forgetful children. Call us home to you. Help us to hear your grace. Help us to receive you so that we can become children of God. Bring us in from the cold. Bring us in from wandering around in insecurity. And help us to know your love and the power of it in a new and glorious way this Christmas. Through Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the St. Peter's Lake Mary podcast. To find out more about how to get involved at St. Peter's Lake Mary, visit us online at stpeterslakemary.org. We would love to hear from you. Email us with your questions or thoughts at info at stpeterslakemary.org.